I'd rather sign someone that has 50,000 subscribers and does 50,000 views. That algorithm can change at any second. Cole and Cody are the founders of Up North, a talent management agency focused on creators. We talk about how they sign their first clients, how they operate, and what they look for in the creators that they work with. So I've always been under the philosophy of quality over quantity. We also talk about the challenges working with creators partnering with them to solve businesses and more. How can we build what you're doing, but on another level? The best creators in the top 0.01%, they've done that. Let's get started. When you guys like start managing talent, what does that mean? Like what happens from there? Initially, it's just trying to align and figure out and sit down and build like a real strategy on what they want to do, right? Like we have to get under the hood and figure out what your goals are. Some people are like, hey, I just want to make content. I just want to ride the wave and make AdSense. I'll make, you know, really great money. And that's amazing. Some are, I don't want to touch a sponsor because it hurts the integrity of the video. It slows down watch time, et cetera. And then some people you have are like, I want to build something great. I want this to last for a very long time. I also know that I can play a game for two or three years, but I can build an audience and a community and start translating that into products in a media business. And so the first thing is really trying to understand each individual personally and figure out what exactly they want. And then from there, we can really build a strategy tailored to what their goals are. So figuring out the brand strategy, how do you want to present yourself? How are you interacting with your community? Where do you want to go with your content? Who do you want to partner with both on the dollar side to make money, but also who can you align with that's going to enhance your brand overall as well? Who can we throw you into with our contacts, the different social platforms? So, you know, you're taken care of there if you have any problems and issues. So often, um, especially on the YouTube side, people are getting copyright strikes and claims against them. And it's just, hey, this happened and I'm freaking out. And it's okay, cool. No problem. We'll talk to our people at YouTube and have a conversation and figure out what the root issue is. It's a myriad. That's a very broad answer, but that's the plan of attack, at least right away. It's just really trying to understand who they are as a person and where they want to go as a creator. There's so many companies in the space that kind of do similar things to what we do, but it's purely transactional. And we really don't like to take that approach. Obviously, sponsorships keep the lights on, but we get in the weeds with it with every client. Hey, what are your goals? What can we help you achieve? We don't care whether it's an opportunity that we're either getting paid for or not. We know it's going to enhance your brand and obviously more opportunities down the line. So we're going to do it. What's the most challenging part of managing creative talent or content creators slash YouTubers? Maybe some days they might want to make content and sometimes they don't. Or do you guys find yourself being more of a therapist to them or a manager? What are the best parts of the job and maybe the more challenging parts? I'll start with some funny sort of anecdotes, but we've done everything from help them with high school homework to college essays to everything in between. Managing relationships. Well, we're paused. Oh, we got to hear one of these stories. We don't have to name names. If you guys yeah. have any good stories within this, so we'd love yeah, to hear I just remember. I just remember at one point, someone like valued our sort of like expertise and just understood that we went to college and law school and like we can read over essays and things like that for whatever reason. And they had a tight deadline with a video and they really needed help with getting this turned in before they could work on something. And it was like, okay, like no problem. We are here to service you and we will help you edit and format your essay for you. That is not an issue. But like that goes to show of the scope, right? And it's like the bounds that will go for people. And we really like to have personal relationships with our clients. It's super, super important just to understand them as a human being. And if that's part of the job and to get things done, 
no no problem. It's really on the personality side. I think if you're going to treat the lights of a talent management, a manager, you have to go and accepting the fact that you are going to play therapist someday. You are going to play like babysitter at times. And it just is what it is. Even coming from like music, I was so used to dealing with artists and artists are weird. And they're weird people. They're creative. And you just have to manage the personalities and understand that going in. We took a lot of that experience, applied it to working with creators. And but it's just just part of the job, honestly. The biggest or the most pain point or most challenging thing for me personally is we always have this saying of you can lead the horse to water, but the horse has to drink the water. That happens so often in what we do. Again, we'll never like pressure anyone to take any opportunities or offers their signing agreements. Like they have the final say at the end of the day. It's just really frustrating sometimes and it happens quite often where like we think something is an amazing opportunity or we're really trying to push someone in one direction and we just have no control of the outcome at the end of the day. We can only present the opportunity and facilitate that when we go to the creator led brand side, when we're partnered in a more a different capacity there where we have more of a final say. And that's been really helpful for us to navigate where we can take things into our own hands and push the business forward with ours. Yeah, creators get very comfortable with the status quo. And I don't blame them. If you have a YouTube channel that's going when you're making really solid money every month on ad sets, I get it. But at the same time, like that algorithm can change at any second or YouTube decides one day, hey, we're going to cut ad revenue in half or whatever it is. So that's why we always tell people, make sure you're on every platform, make sure you're diversify your content. What's an example of this? Is it just like create a huge on YouTube or huge on Twitch and be being huge here and I don't want to diversify or is it more so like there's this brand or this opportunity that they can start something where they'll do some promotion, but they're not really interested. What's an example of that? Okay, I'll give you one example. I'm not going to say a creator's name, but like I know this creator makes three quarters of a million dollars in AdSense and doesn't have to do a brand deal to make that money. They're very focused on the content and making the content amazing. And as a 21 year old, and you're making that kind of money consistently, and you're doing it over a couple of years, it's very hard to change your tune. It's very hard to get out of your comfort zone, especially because everyone in the creator world hears these horror stories about algorithms changing and ad apocalypse and this and that. And so when things are good, they're just keeping the status quo and they're not really able to change certain things. What do you typically look for when you want to represent talent and collaborate with them? Is there like a secret sauce or is it more of a vibe and energy feel or both? It's a bit of both. Before I started working with creators and before we started working with Up North, when I would use to find artists that I would listen to, I'd be on SoundCloud all day or Spotify, like random playlists, just flipping through stuff and like waiting for something to just click. And when you like, when you hear something, oh my god you just know right away it's a gut feeling and that's happened many times looking through youtube for hours where you just find a creator you're like whoa holy shit there's something here and you just get this gut feeling it happens a lot of time there another part of how i spend my time and cody does the same we'll filter out by category we signed last year we signed a ton of creators in the film commentary space so Really people that are reviewing movies and TV shows, doing breakdowns, Easter eggs, essentially like a video version of what you would see on Rotten Tomatoes. It's film criticism in video form, which was really intriguing to us. And we monopolized the space a bit. And we work with a ton of creators in that space. And it's really exciting. And that was the precursor to why we started the More Butter brand and the YouTube channel for that. We were like, okay, let's bring the Avengers of kind of film critics on YouTube 
together to just talk about movies and TV shows. Let's talk about these creative brands for a second. You have a bunch of people on your roster, right? A lot of different people, so different niches. How do you decide which ones to create brand with? Because we get to work with them and, and see the underlyings and what's going on, like we get to you know their community a little bit more and understand what type of relationship they have with their audience and community. And we get to see their return on brand deals. We get to see if they can sell merch. So we have really helpful data for us to go off of and figure out, okay, like we know this person sold a couple hundred thousand dollars of merch in two weeks. Like they have sellability, they have selling power, their audience spot in, their engagement is great across socials. So a number of factors, yeah, like one, like, how well are you doing in your main content? How are the views? How's the engagement? What are people saying in the comments? What are people replying to you on the different social platforms? How are you interacting with them? Again, if you've sold merch or you've done brand partnerships and you've had a lot of renewals and looking at the data, like you've converted, like those are all just really helpful for us. And then there's the other component of do they actually, are they ambitious or do they want to do something like this? Are they comfortable stepping outside their um, dated four square box of the YouTube channel? And so there's a number of factors there. It's always really refreshing for us to work with a creator that has those entrepreneurial ambitions because it goes back to the leading the horse to water analogy that we always say of, okay, cool. Gets us really excited that we can build something beyond just, hey, we're talking to Toyota. That's a great opportunity, but what else can we do like beyond that conversation? How do you then decide what business to launch? We try to keep it as organic as possible. So if there's a sports creator, we're not going to launch like a car marketplace or anything like that. It's what can we build extensions off of what you're doing right now? Kenny is a great example. The way we like to describe Kenny, he's basically Bill Simmons, the equivalent of Bill Simmons, but for Gen Z. He, he really has this great command of basketball and the NBA commentary for that demographic. And he has like a bunch of different YouTube channels and we know he can sell based on the data and he has a really tight knit community. And so we're like, cool, how can we build what you're doing, but on another level? So how can we extend your media empire to build something bigger than yourself? It is so hard to build a brand around an individual because of so many different factors. And so if you can build that brand affinity with a name or, you know, what the brand stands for, stand alone, you're a big component of that. Like that's the direction that we needed to go. And so for him, it was like, Cool. He had this saying, I think at first he wanted to do like a clothing line. We were like, great, that could be one component of what we do and build in a company. No problem. And so we split it into media side, lifestyle side, and then everything can fall underneath that and we can support it for, from all angles. When you launch these brands, is it a pure like pussy breakdown or is there some cash components for the creators? Yeah, for us, it's helpful to have that initial relationship. I think it's really hard when you're in the market by yourself or you just launched your own company, you're like, I'm going to help build creator brands. First of all, I don't know how you're getting in touch with that creator if they're really big because there's agents and there's managers and there's a lot of people and a lot of red tape in between. So it's going to take conversations with those people first. You're going to have to cut them into the opportunity, I'm sure, in some way, shape or form. I feel like it's just the same as like even signing talent to manage them or athletes or whatever it is. It's just, it's just a lot of factors that go into it. For us, it was easier because we had the relationship. We can show them exactly what we're going to be doing from a services perspective and like how it differs from what we're getting percentage wise on just managing you. So they can understand, okay, like for the extra whatever percentage it is, I completely understand. Cash component can differ. Like we've structured things where we can cover up to a certain percentage and then there's some sort of rev share so that they can see money along the way. 
And sometimes it's structured where we're keeping all the money in the business to try and grow it as much as possible. And like we have other avenues to make money. And so whatever we can keep there to scale, like that's what we're going to do. Of your revenue, what portion would you say comes from brand deals versus other things? What does the breakdown look like in terms of brand sponsorships versus other forms of revenue? On the management side, nearly everything is brand partnerships. And then on the other side, it's like on an individual basis, how we starting and launching companies and brands with creators. That's obviously just a separate conversation that then involves everything under the sun that you can imagine as a creator. So in a way, you almost become the creator when we're launching these businesses and brands with them, which is really interesting for us to get beyond just the, hey, this for making money on a brand deal or consulting or whatever we're doing. What was the first time that you decided to launch a company with Crazer? Yeah, I feel like we've been doing it on a very small scale since the beginning. And I say that because we started producing content with our clients very early on. And I'll give you the first example. We worked with a Madden, one of the top Madden creators on YouTube. He's got a couple of million subscribers. He's a great personality. And in 2019 or late 2018, we decided to create a series with him where we would play Madden against NFL players. And it was really like our first test of, hey, this is not something that we're getting brand deals on. It's pure producing. How can we produce really fun, engaging content for you to enhance your brand and your channel? And so... We did that. We had Tyreek Hill on Lamar Jackson. And this is all cold. Like we didn't have any relationships with agents or anything. We got all these players to come on. We went to the Super Bowl in Atlanta. We rented an Airbnb for the weekend and brought in eight to 10 players and just filmed for two days straight, which was really fun. I think the series overall got like close to 10 to 15 million views on YouTube. Our video with Tyreek Hill has three and a half or four million. And it was right before he launched his YouTube channel. And so what we did a little contest to basically port people over. And we took them from like 10,000 to 120,000 subscribers in three days. It was wild. And it was really interesting for us just to prove, okay, like you can produce really cool content. So that was the first thing. Then the next thing we did, we started to dip our toes into athlete representation, which is a whole nother thing. I don't know if we ever want to go down that road again. But again, it's like bringing a unique angle to an athlete. And we got in touch with Devontae Parker's representation. He's an NFL wide receiver now for the Patriots. And we basically built out a strategy for him on the content side to create a cartoon. He is a personality, doesn't love I I think doing interviews and things like that, he's more reserved in that sense, but he loved cartoons. And we're like, what if we created a content series where you could speak through your cartoons so you didn't have to do all the interviews and people can get to know your personality and who you are speaking in this like fun cartoon. So we did that. That was like for a couple episodes, just really neat experience for us. Later on, we produced another podcast with our client, Kenny, whom we started Enjoy Basketball with. This was like the first sort of quote unquote official business relationship with him. This was, hey, we're going to give you a show. We had a third-party production company come in and help us build a whole set, get guests, a bunch of different NBA players. That lasted, I think, like 10 episodes. We had eBay as the presenting sponsor, DraftKings, Harito. Some really big names were involved. And it was really fun. And it was a really unique experience to to go through and actually build a real production and and book tenant and get sales and build the marketing out and distribution and things like that. Fast forward to this year, we launched two brands. So the first one was a film and TV commentary brand called More Butter that has its own separate YouTube channel that is involved three of our clients with three different shows. And our pitch to them was like, not every video that you have on your channel, your idea could live there. 
like you might have ideas that you might not want to mess with your current algorithm. So how can we give you another outlet for you to express yourself and create fun content? And so we were like, cool, you might have ideas that you might not want to mess with your current algorithm. So pre-production script writer, cool, got you. Need a video editor? Great. We got it down. YouTube strategist, no problem. We'll sell it. We'll do all the back office accounting legal, no issue. And you just show up and look pretty and put on a great show. And so that was a really great test for us. And then that led to the Enjoy Basketball brand that we launched last April with Kenny, which is more or less taking the behemoth a lot of our time, at least today. So had a conversation with Kenny and basically said, hey, we did a podcast last year. It went great. But what's next? What can we do that basically can set you up for if you decide you don't want to maybe be a full-time content creator in three to five years, this is your long-term thinking opportunity. And he had a phrase that he called enjoy basketball. And what he meant by that was basically like, there's so much negativity going on in basketball media. Like NBA Twitter is a shit show. He always used to just tweet out, everybody enjoy the game. But all that negativity aside, like let's, we're here to just enjoy basketball. So that's, that was the beginning of the brand. And we started with a newsletter and we saw that not many people, especially creators had newsletters specifically in basketball too. So we put this team together of three different writers, a social media manager, TikTok editor, a couple other people, and we launched the brand. So to date, we launched in April, uh, we just hit 35,000 subscribers on the newsletter. We've been able to monetize it, which is great. Have some really good partners. We recently worked with Shopify. We did a two-under-person pop-up shop and speaking panel in Soho in New York. So we had all of Kenny's fans and fans of the brand come out, shop. We dropped like a new collection just for exclusive to the New York pop-up shop, which was very cool. And we got to talk about the brand and how we've been building it. Um, starting with the newsletter, also have kind of this lifestyle brand component of the company. And then looking ahead, eventually we'll get into podcasting and digital content. How do you think about like the allocation of your time and resources? Because you're launching some media brands with your creators, and that takes a lot of money, a lot of your time because you're starting something from scratch. How do you think about doing those versus like your original talent management, like helping them get brand sponsorships? And is the revenue breakdown structure different? Timing wise, it's a balance. It's tough for sure. Every, I feel like when everyone starts something new, everything is so exciting and it's shiny and it's like, how can I just attract that and keep it going without abandoning anything that you're already doing? And so it's definitely a balance. Like we have to allocate our time really properly. I think what the advantage is for us is that we're dealing with brands so often on the management side that so much of how we're going to make money on the creator-led side is the same. And so there is a lot of overlap there. I think involving a bunch of different clients on both sides helps because we get to service them on a day-to-day -day basis with both this new company and also their own stuff. But yeah, it's challenging. Like it, you really have to be diligent with your time and figure out the best balance. Is the ship breakdown because I imagine just getting brand sponsorships for them and helping them with gold, that's one thing. But if you help them yeah. launch a completely different media company, bring people for them, I assume that's... On the management side, like it's set industry standard commission there. And then on the other side, it's, it's all structured with them individually. On It's a more favorable split in our mind just because there's more work to be done. But yeah, that brings me in. Yeah. 
Can you break down for people that don't know how talent management works? Like what is a standard like commission fee? And is that on everything or just like the brand sponsors that you bring in? Yeah, it could differ between companies. It could be 10, 15, 20% on the commission side. That can be inclusive of literally every single thing a creator does. It could be paired to just brand partnerships. It can be paired to brand partnerships and AdSense. I guess it really depends on like how involved you are with them and what they're doing. What is a typical contract or agreement that you guys have with a lot of your creators? As a lawyer, I'm very like cautious to give people long form agreements and have them read through 10 pages of stuff. We really like to keep it simple. Like there doesn't have to be anything too daunting in there. But yeah, we're signing or I think like a good spot is just to have a year long agreement and make sure that you're aligned in terms of timeline. And obviously if parties aren't happy, then there's conversation to be had. And I tell creators this all the time. And when we're trying to sign them to like, there should be the freedom and flexibility to terminate something like this in the services business. I think it's really difficult when you're not happy and you're beholden to something. It just doesn't work out for both parties. And so I always say, whether you sign with us or someone else, like just take the advice on making sure that you can terminate whenever. It sounds like a decent amount of your revenue, both on the talent management side, but also with your friend, eyes on brands and sponsorships. Do you ever worry about that? At example, like being in a recession, right? Budgets are tighter. How do you think about this? I'll give you a fun example. 2020, the pandemic hits. Cole and I, like right when COVID, like March, everything's shutting down. I call Cole and I'm like, oh boy, like I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think we had seven or eight clients at the time. And I was like, this could go both ways. We could be completely out of business in three or four months or somehow, some way, this could be like the best thing ever. I think we like, lost weeks of revenue and just people just shut down and we we're like, okay, like this isn't going well. And then all of a sudden we just started seeing an influx of deals and opportunities. And when everyone was home, the viewership went up for everybody. And so the ad rates were a little better. And then brands were like, okay, it is a safe time to activate. And we know that we're going to get people's attention because everyone's sitting doing nothing. And so that was a really great time for us, which also was a scary time. And I think we like tripled our business, doubled our client roster, like right through COVID. And like, it was an amazing thing. Fast forward to today with the ad markets in flux and brands getting budgets cut, like we've seen a bunch of it. Unfortunately, in the last like quarter and a bit into this new year, we've advised clients like you're probably seeing somewhere between 20 to 40% lower on your individual rate. And you're probably seeing 20 to 40% less volume. Can we weather that storm? No problem. Just setting expectations, I think is the most important thing. And then the way Cole and I think about getting around it is we can increase the volume of our roster to hedge against it a little bit. So if we bring on more creators, there's more opportunities for everyone collectively. There's more opportunities for us to make dollars. And then we'll just increase the size of our team to help support that as well. So that's the approach that we're taking. Like we can't, we have no control over it. The only thing we can control is can we bring in more business by increasing the size of our roster, increasing and bettering our relationships with other partners, and then facilitating our own team to make sure the infrastructure is sound. For a talent management agency for creators, what type of revenue would you guys do or like an average management agency if they have 10, 20, 50 clients? Depends on the clients. Like I feel like we have a good sense because we play a lot in the YouTube game. Like we can more or less project what an individual client could make or have conservative estimates. It depends the niche, the vertical. It depends how involved they are. Are they 
just doing transactional brand deals. Like there, there are a lot of management companies doing the figures of revenue, right? 20, 30% margins on those. But you're seeing a lot of consolidation and you'll continue to see more of that as the bigger players just want to get more involved. But with consolidation, do you plan on acquiring any other top management agencies or have people come to you looking to acquire your agency? I don't know necessarily our plan on how we're going to scale the management side, whether we're going to do it internally or go out into the market and go that way. We've definitely been approached a number of times over the years. Nothing has really made sense for us to this date. How big is the team today? And what are the different functions of everyone and what do they do? So between Cole and I, I would say just given my like legal background, I'm more of a, the deal person. So I'm handling a lot of the negotiations, those kind of conversations, and then all the way through like contracts and whatnot. Cole is so much more creative than I am. He handles a lot of the creative, a lot of the overall branding, and he does a lot of the operations. We have one, soon to be two coordinators coming on, and it's a lot of support day to day things of that nature. Our client roster is about 30 clients. So there's a lot of personalities and a lot of people to manage. We definitely do our best to give everyone the time of day and make sure everyone's serviced. Creator side, Enjoy Basketball has a team over 10 at this point. We've really tried to bring as many people on cost efficiently as possible. At this point, that will continue to increase as well as they continue to further it. How are agencies valued? And if you were to go merge or acquire one, what would you look for? Yeah, I guess the multiples, it's on the lower end, obviously for like services business, but I would say like anywhere from two to six, maybe depending on obviously a number of factors. But if we were to go out and look for one, we'd have to make sure like the book is good enough and one, a good fit for us. Obviously like people we want to work with, talent that makes sense adjacent to the rest of our roster. I probably wouldn't go and try to acquire like any towards agency that, like I said, like rep pro player or something we haven't done in the past, we probably have to be more so like lifestyle, sports focus, YouTube first. And looking forward to this year and the upcoming years, what are some hot takes that you have on the space that most people agree with that you disagree with? The one thing that I'm very curious to figure out is how this whole Web3 intersection with tokens and DAOs and things of that nature comes back into creators. Because if you're a talent creator, you can't touch it. If you do that, you're going to lose brand trust like right away with your audience. You're going to lose a lot of people. You could get canceled. I'm very curious to see what happens. I think it will turn around. I do. I just don't know what the time frame or the time period of that, of when that's going to It seems like you guys are having fun. What's your philosophy to building stuff? Is it just like follow you, you see side people that you're interested in, in like niches that you're interested in? I guess, what's your approach to like work and building, building together? As far as like the management side goes, we've been doing this for four and a half years. I think if we wanted to have a hundred clients, we could, but I think we've purposely kept a more boutique feel to what we do on purpose because we like that personal connection aspect getting in the weeds with it, with everybody. So I've always been under the philosophy of quality over quantity. I just, that's just me as a person. And I think our roster really speaks for itself as far as like the talent that we have and the quality creators. That's my personal philosophy when it comes to management. I would similar echo that. We have a lot of freedom, right? There's no one telling us what to do. I've never had a real job, quote unquote. Like I had internships in college and law school. We started this two weeks after I 
took the bar exam. So I've never worked in a full corporate setting as an employee. And so I, I don't take that for granted of we really get to be flexible and, and spend our days as we wish. And business doesn't get done if we don't hustle and do it. And you think about down the line of, oh, getting the exit and having the life-changing money and whatever. And that definitely plays into our minds a lot. But I think we're at such a good place right now where like we have so much freedom and flexibility and time is our friend. And, you know, obviously we're doing well <laughs> with that and we're building new companies that get us excited. And there's certain nights I just can't sleep because I have 50 ideas in my head and I have to write them down on my phone because of all the things. I don't know. I definitely have a little bit of AD in the sense that I always like to something and attract the shiny object and continue to go there and almost like reeling it in, but and figuring out what's next. I think one of the best like frameworks I've done for myself, which is anytime I have to like make a decision on what to do, I weight it against, does, is it going to be fine? And does it provide freedom and flexibility? Because if it doesn't really do all three of those things, I find myself not really into it or losing steam or once it gets hard, I'm just like, eh, I don't want to really do this anymore. Ever since I've like made all life decisions against that framework, it's been like such a huge game changer. And it sounds like you guys have a very similar framework on like how you work, which I find pretty inspiring too. It's really nice. I'm like super, super grateful for that opportunity. I think, again, when you're always starting new things, it's exciting in the first little bit, but it's in month seven or 10, what does it look like and what's your attitude? And I feel very fortunate that I even wake up and I'm like, okay, what are we doing on Android Basketball? We're nine or 10 months in at this point. Let's go. This thing is a baby. We can grow this to a massive audience. And so I think that's when you're, you're winning in the sense of, okay, you have the right mindset. It aligns with your values and it's freedom, flexibility, and fun. And then what else is top of mind? What, what are you guys thinking through when you guys have your strategic meeting where you share ideas back and forth? What are you guys talking about right now? What's top of mind? A lot of our focus is obviously scaling the management side and making sure clients are taken care of. It's because of the recession and the ad markets, a lot of education for, for them to understand what's going on, but it's figuring out how we're going to hedge against it and sort of listen properly. And then enjoy basketball is like, how do we create a massive platform and a brand that is impactful in the basketball community? And a lot of our conversations are like, can we partner that? We've been talking with the NBA for a while to do some stuff. We've done a number of content partnerships with NBA team. We just did something at the New York Knicks on the weekend. And so it's starting to come on that side. And then it's like, Scaling the newsletter is so hard. It's like one of the hardest things we've ever done. So it's figuring out that. That's always top of mind now. It's a lot of the stuff is different than our day-to-day -day because we're operating a brand, both on media and lifestyle. So it's building a media company, building a lifestyle brand with products and apparel. It's just, there's a lot of things in the mix for us, which is really exciting, I would say. So there are a bunch of people like really interested in this space. What do you think we'll see more of in the next one to five years? of other people entering the space or opportunities that are out there. Personally, I think you're going to see more of these creator-led brands and maybe it's going to be from larger incubators, if you will, of just trying to roll up a bunch of different creators in different areas. So it might get a little generic. There's been obviously more and more and you're seeing everyone and their mother starting a new alcohol brand or this or that. I feel like that's going to continue on as a really big trend, but I don't know how successful a lot of people are because I think they're seeing the vanity metric and they're like, oh, you have 10 million followers and you're in lifestyle space. Let's go launch makeup brand or whatever, because sometimes you talk to people about makeup. I think it's going to continue to be a trend. I just don't know how effective it's going to be overall. What advice would you give to young creators that are just starting out or want to get represented or 
get to that point, what advice would you give to them if they're like starting off or started building following and want to take it to the next level? I would say like just trying to evaluate your work, double down on what you think is working. Don't put too much pressure on the follower or subscriber metric. I'd rather sign someone that has 50,000 subscribers and does 50,000 views than like 400,000 subscribers and 25,000 views. Um, I think that's like a vanity metric. Some brands do take that into account, but not many really value it. I think really building a nice foundation of, okay, I picked a niche, whether you become an expert or not in that niche, like I don't think that necessarily matters. Really engaging on an organic basis and building a deep connection with your audience is super, super important. And that's the thing when you are smaller, there's not as many people to talk to. And so you can really deepen those relationships. And I think that is so overlooked so often because people are just so focused on creating the content and just getting out another video and getting out another video and hoping that the algorithm on whatever platform can pick it up. I think it's very undervalued to just really deepen the relationship between your followers, getting to know them. The best creators in the top 0.01%, they've done that and they've done the work over a number of years to really know who their community is. And yeah, where can people find you guys online? And if they want to reach out, if they want representation or anything, where can they contact you? Yeah, so we're at Up North MG on all platforms. Um, I'm at Cody underscore Hawk on Twitter, at Cody Hawk on Instagram. Cole's is, I believe he's Up North Cole on Twitter. We're always on Twitter. I would say even more than Instagram. We're there. Check us out. Enjoy Basketball is at Enjoy B-Ball on all platforms to so check out our content there. Pretty easy to get in contact.